0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. On our journey to the Oscars, we could not not watch this movie. We just had to. It has the most Oscar nominations out of any other film with 11 nominations. Tonight we are reviewing Todd Phillips' Joker. Joker. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? I sure do.
1: In Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the Joker.
0: All right. And uh, our own summaries for Joker. Sarah, do you want to go first? (laughs)
1: Mine is a taxi driver homage with much less to say.
0: (laughs) Mine is a character's face painted in a multitude of bright colors, yet a message with indistinguishable shades of gray. Alrighty then. Well, this is going to be an interesting episode. It will be. <laughs> so let's talk, before we really, really dive in, let's talk a little bit about our sentiments about the film. Before actually going to see this, this was not high on our list of films to go see.
1: No, I was, I was conflicted about this one from the beginning. Um, I, if you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I am not a big fan of superhero films. Um but when I saw the initial trailer for this, and it was Joaquin, and and it seemed like this film was going to be like so dark and whimsical, and it was a different look at um, a superhero film, uh, I was very intrigued by it. Mm. But then the more that I found out about it, and the darker that it seemed, the less I actually wanted to see this movie. Um so I just, I kept going back and forth about it and uh, because it was nominated for so many things, here we are. I've
0: finally seen the movie. Yeah, it was a film that we we procrastinated, I should say. We yes. tried to wait as long as possible to see. Um, it's a lot of heavy, twisted stuff that happens. And I think a lot of people that I've talked to that have seen the film as well, have said that they've come out of the theater and just needed time to process and that it was incredibly jarring and raw and very visceral. So we knew that we were in for an experience, and uh, I'm excited to dive into this film with you. I think it's worth mentioning, I mean, it's been out for a while, um, but if you haven't seen Joker yet, just go and see it because... There's, there's, I think, some interesting details that, um, if you know ahead of time, would make the experience very different. So, we are now entering spoiler section. So, Sarah, do you want to share what your initial thoughts of Joker were? My initial
1: thoughts were, uh, why did I just do that to myself for two hours? (laughs) Um I, there's so much that's good about this movie. Um, Joaquin yeah. is phenomenal. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about him. Um, the, the directing and the cinematography is great. There are certain set pieces that are absolutely beautiful. The way that they are framed. Um, and the score is just oh yes amazing. Um, so there's a lot that works really, really well about this film. Um, and I think my my main issues with it um are kind of similar to my issues with nineteen seventeen um <laughs> in that like joker for me it it doesn't have anything to say um mm. so it's this like incredibly stylized thing, but it's not really about anything, and I don't think. I, I just there was nothing for me to really like latch on to during this whole thing other than Joaquin's amazing performance, which should definitely be celebrated. But I don't think that him being an incredible actor for two hours is enough to make this worthy of all of the hype that it got.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating to to see the discourse that's happening about this film because it's it's very divided. Um it's almost The Last Jedi-esque in that way. There are people that absolutely love this film. It, From the amount of nominations it's received, it's seeming like the Oscars and the Academy are also big fans of the film. Um, but you have a lot of folks on the other side that feel very passionately that this film doesn't do what it's set out to do and feels very muddled. And so it's really, it's really interesting when a film is able to be that... Uh, divided in the audience response. I always find that really fascinating.
1: Yeah. And you're right. This one definitely did that. Um, I've, I, because it's been so like celebrated, uh, by the Oscars, um, I've, I've also heard like little things here and there from people that they've really, really enjoyed it. But then, also, like, after the film, listening to various, like, critic reviews, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's how I feel about the film. Like, mm-hmm. when I left it, and I I didn't, I just left it kind of feeling empty, and felt like it was pointless, and... Mm-hmm. That wasn't a lot of the reviews that I had kind of heard about before watching it. So it was kind of nice <laughs> to find the uh, the critical reviews and be able to ingest those after and feel validated and like, oh, okay, we did watch the same movie. We just took very different things from mm-hmm. it and we value different things
0: and that's okay. Yes. it's. I love using this example, but it's the reason that I love Avatar and you don't because I can forgive its shortcomings. And for you, those were important to the the foundation of the story. And so it didn't work. And, and I think Joker is very similar in that way. I think the other really interesting um, conversation that has really sprung from this film is kind of the responsibility of art and how how what the way that the stories we tell influence people of all different types of dynamics social backgrounds um different psyches you know for a broad audience how does art influence how it's received and what responsibility does a filmmaker or an artist have for the way that their art is interpreted um there's and I'm really excited to dive into that conversation with you because I I found myself conflicted with that. I I think that, indeed, art has an incredible responsibility to shape and um, communicate to what is essentially masses of people. And um, at the same time, I, I see the other side of the argument of once we begin to censor what we're creating – We begin to go down a really slippery path where we begin to tell a lot of the same stories over again. It's reflective of a lot of the conversations we're having right now about people needing to be politically correct about everything, but we almost never get to talk about anything substantial because we're all stepping around on eggshells, right? And so this film has generated a lot of um, anxiety and fear around... How this film may or may not begin to incite violence, and just in a political climate and a social climate where we have so many acts of violence that are rising up by people that are loners and that are struggling and isolated. Does this film serve as fuel? And is it the film's responsibility to control how? the the story that it's being, it's telling is interpreted, interpreted. Um, So I'm curious your thoughts on that whole conversation, because it's, I think something that is coupled very closely with this film. And I think very much influences whether or not you are excited about this film or feel very um, wary of the story that it's now told. So what are your thoughts?
1: I think Especially, you know, posing that question around this film is, is interesting because uh, Joker takes a lot from Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. um, which is a film that had a ton to say and was the inspiration for people who actually did commit crimes. Um, they actually drew from portions of Taxi Driver. And so, it's it's interesting to me that there has been so much concern over Joker. And I remember when it was when it was coming out, there there were news articles about will uh, will violence erupt at various screenings, and and you know the the director was asked to comment on these things. And yeah, um, so it's just. It's very interesting to me that the film that it was trying to imitate or one of the films it was trying to imitate actually did end up um, inciting some people uh, to violence. I think that those people were already predisposed to do so. Um, the The thought was already planted in their mind and this just helped accelerate them to the inevitable conclusion quicker. Um What's interesting with Joker, though, is that um, like there have been various protests around the world that mm-hmm. people have actually donned these masks yeah. uh, while they're protesting for whatever it is, which I think is just ironic given that, to me, the whole film doesn't really stand for anything and people are are taking it and then applying meaning to it that the film doesn't apply to itself uh Mm. which is not something that I would have expected to come out of this film
0: let's talk about that a little bit because I think one of the things that the film does which I I find problematic is there there is there's lots of shades of gray right there is no clear good guy or bad guy in this film but because of that you know there is this, we see, at least in the film, this glorification of Arthur Fleck and his revolution that he has started. I think there's a shot in the film kind of midway through with a newspaper he- newspaper headline that says, kill the rich, a new movement, question mark. And there is this kind of um, worship of what he represents, which is s- from the 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 protesters in the film he's seen as this advocate for the downtrodden and the forgotten and the poor and the isolated essentially the the populations where society has left behind and not only left behind but has targeted and just shit on all the time and so it it gives him it gives him as a character a quote-unquote, cause. And then we see a large following and celebration of that cause. And there isn't really any other force to counterbalance that, which I th- I find to be problematic because almost every other character in the film, aside from uh, his neighbor who gets a few moments on screen and she's a great... Um, she, she serves as a great purpose in the plot, but she doesn't really move the plot that much. Um, every other character outside of the Joker that plays a critical role, whether it's Murray or Thomas Wayne, is kind of painted in a very poor light. And you can see them as, quote-unquote, the villain, which potentially leads you to believe that the Joker is somehow this hero, anti-hero. And I think that that is where this film gets really, really muddled in those shades of gray and is no longer able to help the audience understand and pick apart all of these competing shades of grays and um, challenging moral circumstances. I think there are other films that have navigated shades of gray and there's no real villain. There's no real good guy or bad guy type of um, message and has done it effectively and shown us that they're sympathetic, but that they are not excusable, and this film almost glorifies the Joker character in the way that the rest of a huge part of the population in the city responds to him.
1: You're you're right. That's that's exactly what it does. Um, I think that's one of the things that I I had a problem with. I mean, I had many problems, but um, I. I think I would have been more okay with it if, if Joker actually stood for something or he, he realized that he sparked a movement and then he actually, he did something with it. He, he channeled that influence toward something. Um, But he, I think he even says it that he, he doesn't really care about any of that. And I feel like you kind of like feel that throughout the film. Like he genuinely doesn't care about anything. And he just kind of lucked into being this symbol. Like he didn't do anything strategically or with a plan. He just kind of like bumbled through this whole movie, um, which was just, it was kind of hard for me to watch. Like this just, this guy just kind of like fell into being the symbol of, revolution and potentially hope for these people um yeah I just I I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that I wanted and especially because the Joker historically and maybe I shouldn't have come into this with Mm -hmm. um the other films that I've seen with the Joker in it in mind but in in every other film that I've seen with the Joker in it he has been strategic and intelligent and able to coordinate these incredible, incredibly complex things and take down, um, you know, the, this great superhero. And, um, we don't see that in this. And maybe if I had come in with a different expectation, I could have been more willing to go along with it, but I really just wanted this brilliant supervillain and you know if he was intelligent and and strategic and able to weave these complex things together and then spark a revolution and have these people rise up against the city that's beating them down like I could have been so much more invested in that movie than the one that we got.
0: Mm, Interesting so you're actually focused more on him as a character Whereas I think I still would have found it problematic with what this movie is communicating without a balancing force that's kind of his main struggle or his main um, counterpart. He doesn't really have a clear counterpart in this film. He doesn't. And I think that's another
1: problem with this is we've never seen joker without batman and Mm -hmm. part of the reason why joker is so interesting is to see him try and be you know conniving and try and figure out how to take down batman um so i think you're right i think that this this story needs something and they i feel like they could have done it him versus society and Mm -hmm. it could have worked out if they positioned it correctly um, to not make it like so superhero-y. Um, but you're right. That is one of the things about this film that makes it hard harder to follow because you don't have somebody that you're rooting for, and you don't have a yeah. main um, conflict that you're you're working through.
0: And it paints a incredibly bleak view of humanity, which mm-hmm. could potentially be part of the purpose and intentions of the film to get us to feel that way and to imagine a world where that is the case. But there is not a single person that we're really rooting for. I think the most good, quote unquote, person in this film may be little little Bruce Wayne, or maybe his uh th- the woman who is his neighbor. but, like we don't get that much time with them. Yeah, like, they're not prominent characters. And so everyone else is kind of an asshole in the rest of this film. and we we don't have any ounce of hope to latch on to. And so that's I think that's where it gets really muddy because I think inherently our, sympathies or our focus or our attention is to be be with joker and so our our feelings towards him are are very complicated because there isn't anyone else that offers a positive view of quote-unquote the system that he's blaming and so we're you know we're kind of led to wonder like is he justified in blaming the system because from everything that we've seen in this film he's the system sucks indeed. Yeah. I
1: think, I don't know. I think stories like this where it's the system sucks. My life sucks. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do these sucky things. Like I, I don't resonate with those (laughs) because I'm I'm glad (laughs) this is good. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, the system sucks. Cool. What can we do to make the system better? Like, let's change the system and make things better for people instead of just the system sucks. The city's gone to hell. I'm just going to go along with it and make it worse. Like
0: exactly. that's,
1: ugh, it's, it's so depressing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, and it's not the film that we need, especially in our climate right now. And I, I think that there's something incredibly worthwhile about shining light on the failings of our system and Mm -hmm. creating stories and moments that reflect real life events. Like I, we are, you know, we are, you and I are here for that. Um, And Black Klansman does a great job of shining the light on our, the ugly parts of our system while giving us a, a uh, motivating factor or a sense of, we can go out and change and contribute. This film leaves you feeling like everything's gone to shit and we're just going to descend into this hell-like world and there's nothing we can do about it. And in fact, the film communicates that we are quite justified in that. And I think that's the part where I feel like the film is irresponsible because it's tackling a lot of these big, heavy issues that are so visceral for so many people right now and it it does it in a way that feels a little bit sloppy but is it tackling
1: issues I know that it makes nods to issues and things but I don't know that it actually tackles any issue
0: well I think it it's it's giving us a sympathetic look into people that do senseless violence that are isolated from society, which is most commonly the profile that we're getting in a lot of the mass shootings today. And I don't, I think the film's trying to get us to understand how those, they get to that place. And, um, you see a lot in this film about Arthur, not being, having a troubled childhood and being abused and not receiving that love and care that, um, he was desiring and longing for and he's kind of a chewed up and torn out by society and I, I think there's there's potential for this film to get us to think and grapple with that and think about how we treat people how we interact with people the systems that we're creating I mean in this film he is denied his medications and social benefits and that's kind of the the fuel that begins this, his whole descent into um, all of the violence that he commits. But I think the film begins to t- touch on that a little bit, but it doesn't follow through on it.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. That it, I don't think that it had the conviction to really see those things through. And I, I wish that it had, though, because I think – especially with how well-received this has been, that this could have been a very important film and a very powerful film uh, in society today. And I
0: feel like they they missed it. Yes, this you're so right. This had the potential to be just what we needed, Um, both sympathetic and um, understanding while also... Taking that same sympathy and understanding for these people, and driving more and more people to um, think about these issues and think about our systems and how we treat people, and I, there was so much that could have been done that I think a film like Black Klansman, that also deals with some really heavy stuff, was able to do so gracefully and tenderly, um, and this film just it it. It, I think it wants to go there or it tries to go there. Um, but it kind of plays with the subject matter without picking a direction for it. Man, so much potential. Ah, oh, man.
1: there, There really was. Like, it was it was a beautiful movie wonderfully acted but there wasn't I felt like there wasn't like a soul to this movie. Like, mm-hmm. It it was it was a hauntingly beautiful piece of art with nowhere for us to go.
0: Yeah, and I think especially in a piece of art that feels so close to home, we we really needed it to go somewhere. Um, I was talking to a friend who lives in New York, and I love her reaction to the film when I asked her, "Oh, like." you saw it. What did you think about it? And she, she said that while watching this film in in the middle of New York city, she turned to her friend and said, isn't it slightly terrifying that we're watching this movie right in the heart of Manhattan? It's, it's, a was, she said it was a completely eerie experience because this is not far from reality. And I think that's what is also, what also feels irresponsible about the movie. Um, man, to be so close to home and yet not go somewhere with it is, it leaves a lot, um, a lot of gaps and a lot that it, it just, ugh, so close. There could have been so much. It's I mean, ballsy. I, I mean, to tackle uh-huh. a movie like this was ballsy as well. Oh my gosh. Yes.
1: Like what, what an audacious idea. Like we're going to take arguably the most iconic and one of the most successful supervillains of the entire DC universe and create a moody standalone origin story and not even really have not even have Batman in it and focus solely on the, the Joker and that's it and have it nothing like any other superhero movie we've seen like that mm-hmm. is a nuts proposition and I'm shocked
0: that they got a studio to green light it um and the acting was fantastic. The cinematography was fantastic. Yes. The score, was fantastic. Yes. all of the other pieces were there. It's just the meat and potatoes of the story that needed more. Um, yeah. So, like every other piece was in place, but the most important one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and those are those are the most frustrating when it's mm. so close and it's it's almost great, and they just. They missed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's there's also a difference with a film that has no stance and a film that feels like it's tr- trying to straddle both sides, which I think this film falls into the second category. There's... The Joker's character is simultaneously a champion of mental illness and um, he has that whole monologue when he's on uh, Murray's show that he goes on and on about how society just steps on and chews out those that are mentally ill and different and poor and you know they just are stepped on and at the same time this film does a terrible job of depicting and advocating for those that really do struggle with depression and isolation and anxiety and I don't remember the name of his condition but I believe it starts with a b where you laugh uncontrollably and it kind of creates this really negative stigma stigma for mental illness just as byproduct of the film itself so there's some really odd meta morality that's happening as well which I think made me really confused as I was watching the film unfold. That was one of the things that
1: really troubled me. um, Was that was the film's portrayal of mental illness and how kind of in the end, at least the way that I took it was that mental illness was the excuse for Mm -hmm. his inevitable acts of violence. And I I don't like that and don't accept that premise. And, you know, sometimes that is the case, but not always. And that's not how all people with mental illness respond to life. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there were moments where we were able to be empathetic with him and and understanding with him. And um, Joaquin did such a phenomenal job communicating so much depth to this character um but I still think that they took on a subject like you were saying before but they just they they weren't able to handle it with enough nuance and maybe tact that it really deserves
0: yes yeah I completely agree I was thinking a lot about glass When watching this movie, because I know that that is a film that received um, backlash for the way that it portrayed and stigmatized and um, alienated mental illness. And I think this film falls into the same category and I think it does it in an even worse way and deals with Mm -hmm. such a difficult, delicate topic in an even more aggressive way. And it's problematic. I mean, there's a the, the phrase that you always say that art both shapes and reflects culture, and this is not something that we need to be shaping culture. And I think it there's things that create these visceral reactions in us that are healthy and good, and they they cause all of these complex feelings for us to talk through and um, and to examine. I think Black Klansman does an amazing job with this. Um, and this one just, it, it, it does all of those same things, but leaves us with no path for how to grapple with it. Um, so when it comes to art being a shaper and a reflection of culture, this is one that is, is really, really problematic.
1: And it's been so widely received and Mm -hmm. so widely celebrated and that's what i'm i don't know i'm i'm surprised by that that the backlash that glass got i'd forgotten about that Mm -hmm. um that i haven't heard that same level of yes me neither yeah like people and i think you're right joker is a worse offender in some ways than glass was so i that that change from what January of twenty nineteen to october of twenty
0: nineteen mm-hmm. uh, is is interesting. I had a friend um share his response to the movie with me, and I thought it was really interesting. I hadn't thought about it from this perspective, but I think it helps it may help us understand why there is such a positive response to the film and he was talking a lot about how being able to see Arthur Flex descent into um into that really really dark state was a great way for him to reassess and look at how he handles his negative emotions how he handles his anxiety and um in his bad days, and it was like a, for him, this movie was like a, a flashing red light of hey, don't let yourself go there. And if you can deal with your emotions in a more positive way, this movie was an encourager of essentially what not to do. Um, and I think that that was an interesting perspective that I didn't think about initially, because it's not how I responded to the movie. Yeah. I didn't respond to it that way either. Um, but it makes sense. I mean, I make, I can understand and see how that was a really powerful takeaway for him. Yeah. And I mean, I love that, that
1: art and films are able to draw so many different things out of us and reveal so much about who we are as people. Mm -hmm. Um, to me like, like this, um, I don't know, like I, I wanted to not be in this movie anymore, but it, it didn't cause me to be introspective about my own life and my own um, sometimes struggle with my own mental illness, mm-hmm. um, or my own, you know, emotional well being. Like it didn't, None of that even occurred to me. So that's very interesting to me that others are able to see this and walk away with, man, like, make sure yeah. that you're taking care of yourself so you don't end up there. Yeah. So, you know, if that's if that's
0: the takeaway,
1: awesome. There's some Joker. real good
0: coming out <laughs> of this idea, I suppose. I
1: wasn't one of those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think... We need to talk about Joaquin Phoenix, of course. I think he carries this movie. Without him, this movie would be so much more thin and flat. He's almost like the icing on the cake, but there isn't a cake. But you're eating the icing and you're like, well, this tastes good, I guess. Yes. But then you're You're like, well, I didn't eat anything, actually. (laughs) Yeah, you're Um, just eating the icing right out of the can. Yes. It's glorious (laughs) and you will pay for it later, but that's okay. But it really is glorious. When you're in the thick of it, I mean, he is—he's visceral in this. Yes, the hype is is very, very well worth it.
1: And I was, I was reading after watching it, like just kind of like scrolling through the IMDb trivia, and there's a bajillion different things in trivia. It took me forever to get through, <laughs> um, but I read that. Originally they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play this yes, role and I read, and that, I read too. that and I went no. no. Oh my god, <laughs> no. can you imagine? It would have been so awful. Like Leo is great. We love
0: him. He is wonderful. He needs to stay in his lane. <laughs> I just imagine his tan chiseled face doing this <laughs> with his golden hair and I just can't. I can't. It, it doesn't just, work. It, it wouldn't work. Oh God!
1: The but other person I that, that I was that thinking this...
0: about that I think could have could have potentially done this well is uh, Javier Bardem. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Anton Chigurh because Joker has some sort of moral. Code a little bit <laughs> um, when he lets Gary when he lets Gary go um, after oh, killing okay. Randall. You know, like he's not he's not a cold-blooded killer. There's some there's some sort of logic. I'm not saying it makes sense, but he he has his <laughs> own it, logic that makes sense for him, right? Exactly. And same with Anton Chigurh. There's some sort of logic in place that makes him feel like he's following a moral code. Um, but I think Javier. Bardem could have could have potentially done this twisted villain well as well.
1: Yeah, he's he's probably too old and (laughs) probably couldn't. I don't know that he would have gone through the same physical transformation that Joaquin did. Oh, my gosh. Dang. Like he dropped what, like 50 pounds for this film? Like. That's
0: nuts. There's some really great shots Mm -hmm. of him on the sofa and his ribs sticking out and his body contorted in all of these strange ways. And it's terrifyingly good. Yes. Yeah. He really figured out
1: how to work all of those angles of his bony body to make it as absolutely terrifying as possible which I was just, I was amazed at. I was watching it and I was going, how are you moving your shoulder blades so that they look like that? <laughs> or how are you like shifting your rib cage the way that you are? Like it was just, I, his command of his own physical body is, yes. is unreal.
0: Can we talk about the laugh? Yes. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Incredible. Yes. I, I mean, I think that those laughs are similar to comedy in th- in that the timing and tone mattered so much and he mm-hmm. nails it. It's the timing's always slightly off enough that it feels eerie and yes, his instincts with that is uh is on point.
1: And the fact that a lot of the times you couldn't tell if he was laughing or crying oh, yes. and that it was this haunting mix of both of them at the same time i i don't know how he he did that how he got that noise and that reaction to come from the depths of his person and <laughs> be you know seen on the screen and to create that much emotion and such a visceral reaction out of us as the audience. Like, mm-hmm. man, he, he needs to win um, Best Actor. If he doesn't win, there will be riots in the streets. There most certainly will.
0: <laughs> um, one of the other pieces that I think he does incredibly well is the searing look that he is able to create in his eyes is fantastic. I think there's a moment somewhat early in the film when he's in the locker room and oh no, he's in the he's in the office of his boss that I believe has just fired him. And there's this incredibly long shot that's just inching closer and closer to his face and he's got this eerie smile and his eyes are ablaze, and it is so good and it's a very long shot
1: yeah there were certain moments where he was like looking at the camera basically where I had to like avert my gaze so I was like Joaquin please don't look at me that way I don't like that
0: (laughs) oh man so good I think something that's interesting that I noticed about this version of Joker that is distinctly different from the Jokers that we've seen in some of the other Batman films is that there's there's almost this dreamlike, ethereal uh, tone to the time that we spend with him. I don't know how to describe it, but it's in a lot of his... Um, dance sequences in bathrooms um, on the the um, the steps I believe when before yes. he's about to head on to the talk show there's this kind of like drunken bliss that we are spending with with this character and I think when uh, we've seen Joker for example in The Dark Knight and you have the Batman character the Joker is because he's already risen to his full height as well, he's kind of seen as more of this um, super villain, cold-blooded killer capable of anything. Um, and there's, I think, a greater amount of tension and heart-racing moments that happen in those Joker scenes. And I think with because this is meant to be kind of like an origin story and we see his descent into becoming the Joker, we... The tone of it is incredibly different, um and I was very struck by that dreamy, drunken, blissful type of tone.
1: yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be as whimsical as it was mm-hmm. uh it was like this it it was a a really dark and <laughs> dismal whimsy uh, mm-hmm. that was just, it at least to me, it seemed to be born out of this deep, very, very deep-rooted sadness and yeah. grief, um, which I, again, I'm just, I'm in awe that Joaquin was able to even when he's dancing, you can feel this the pain, this yeah. sadness and this yeah. pain from him and he's doing this supposedly joyous thing and you know even when he was laughing, it was still this painful, heart-wrenching thing. Um, and I think all of the pieces really worked together to create those emotions. I think Joaquin did a lot of the heavy lifting, but the score also helped really like underpin and emphasize all of those things that Joaquin was doing on screen.
0: Oh yeah, the score is fantastic for most of the film. I have some qualms with it in the ending scene, mm-hmm. which contributes to a lot of that glorification of the Joker that I think is so problematic in this film. But a lot of the music at the ending when we're seeing him rise like this Christ-like figure and amidst the riots and in the after he's captured and he's in the, um, uh, medical ward, the, even the ending credit scenes are so joyous and, and playful and bright. And it's the most eerie thing. And I, and I, that I, my theory is that I think that's what contributes to the strange tension that you feel as a viewer of like, why are we, why are we glorifying this? I, I don't, I don't get it. So one thing that I
1: read about the ending was some people have wondered if this was just the Joker's fantasy Mm. um, and that none of it actually happened, that he was just in Arkham the whole time and we were just basically in his mind as he was thinking about all of these things that he would like to do out in society. I've heard that too. And I quite like it. (laughs) Yeah. I liked it too. I think I liked it because, because none of it actually happened. Um, (laughs) Because I, I, I think though, if that's where they were trying to go, that they needed to give a little bit mm-hmm. more to it. Yes. Um, and I, th- I think though that interpretation makes me empathize with the character a lot more than if he actually did all of these things and he was captured. Um, mm-hmm. I just, it's one of those, I like that they left it kind of open-ended and you can think about it what you will. I wish that they would have given just a little bit more of a hint if this was actually the direction they were trying to go.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's ambiguous enough that where we really don't know and are not sure. It's like the mm-hmm. spitting top at the end of Inception. Like, we will debate it till yeah. the cows come home. Come home. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why it probably isn't the case is because we see his previous fantasies that are then debunked by the film with uh, mm-hmm. the woman. So that kind of gives a little bit more support of, okay, we've seen the fantasies and they've been debunked. So this is all now real. Like the expectation or the the conclusion we make is, okay, everything else we're seeing is probably real. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like the reading though. I think that would be, more interesting of a movie
1: yeah i think so too and i mean i know that there are other people out there that would vehemently disagree with that but i think it's an an interesting way to look at the film
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um anything else that we haven't talked about yet that we wanted to mention oh one of the things that i thought was kind of some interesting little commentary on the state of the world today is the when murray franklin shows arthur's videos on his talk show and kind of humiliates him um, on tv i just was thinking and wondering if that was supposed to be some sort of commentary or nod to the way that the internet is serves as this platform for a lot of public humiliation today and, um, can be really, really damaging for people to feel like they're exposed and ridiculed in that way. Um, so I don't know if that was the film's intention, but it was an interesting connection moment, um, that I had while watching.
1: Yeah, I definitely did not make that connection, um, while I was watching, I think I was, I was too caught up in how did they get footage from that comedy club? It's like 1980 or something. (laughs) Like, so somebody went to a comedy club with their big old tape recorder thing and filmed probably the worst act all night at probably what is an awful comedy club. Like I, I think I was so focused on that, that I couldn't get to a potential deeper meaning because
0: it, <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me <laughs> fair enough fair enough that's true I also didn't have the thought that you had while watching that so <laughs> this is why we talk about film <laughs> sure is uh, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that we should talk about how did you feel about Robert De Niro in this uh, neutral. I mean, he's just playing this bumbling old dude. Like, I don't think it's a significant performance for him. Um, I think he's just kind of there. To me, he's just kind of there. You could have replaced him with somebody else. And I know there are some references to Scorsese films and things like that. That was prob- the reason that they chose for him to be in it. But he's just he's just there to me.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things that annoyed me. Like, (laughs) Why would you cast Robert De Niro in that role? Like (laughs) it, it, it doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. Like the whole time I was watching him and I was like, why are you playing this role? It, it, to me, he was incredibly miscast. He shouldn't have been in this movie. Um, And so I, I was trying to figure out like, why are you in this why did they pick you why did you agree to this um so I wasn't able to like fully I don't know appreciate him not that there was a lot to appreciate from the performance he did fine um yeah but I don't I don't feel like he was the best choice for a role like that and he Definitely didn't not. add a whole lot nor yeah. was he believable as like this like late night comedy talk show <laughs> type guy like I wouldn't pick Robert De Niro in a, in a role like that. I, no, no. Nope. So I was, I was just so confused by the casting when they had done so phenomenal with Joaquin. Um, it was
0: impressive that they had that level of a mismatch. <laughs> the question that I had for a lot of when Marie was on screen was the scene when, he's on air with Arthur and uh, Arthur has now admitted to the fact that he killed, he was the killer behind the subway Mm -hmm. killings and it goes on for another couple of minutes with Marie just kind of egging him on. And I just, I'm like, why, why is this your response? And also what is the audience doing right now? And why is this happening? Why is this continuing to unfold on screen um, for millions of people to see? Like, We should have probably stopped airing and uh, gotten this guy behind bars by now, right? Like, (laughs) he was just egging him on. Mm -hmm. And I was confused by that. It didn't seem like a logical thing that a human being would do in that situation.
1: See, I was okay with the, like, him egging him on. What I was not okay with was that literally no one on the production team had thought to call the cops. Also, they did the whole preamble of Joaquin in clown makeup and worrying that it's going to start a riot or it's going to start issues and they didn't have cops on the premises. Are you kidding me? That's the worst planning ever. So I think I was more focused on how is nobody calling the cops or how has nobody um, have cops on premises that can respond immediately to what's going on. Even if Murray is being stupid and egging him on.
0: And why is the crowd just sitting watching this unfold on screen?
1: Yeah. Like like they they did one they would... gasp
0: and like that was it. Exactly. So that seemed a little bit odd to me, but yeah, eh, it's a dramatic reality. It's that's my Maybe,
1: maybe in Gotham they have a different like level. They have a different threshold for for you know omissions of committing a violent crime. I don't know.
0: <sighs> people are just dumber in Gotham. Apparently,
1: no situational awareness. <laughs> no situational awareness. Come on,
0: people. It's important. <laughs> All right. Anything else? this is a film that I think will be exciting to talk to people about and just hear their reactions to, because it can go so many different directions and that's always fun to hear how people see this film incredibly differently.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Like there'll be some really good conversations around this film. Um, and I think especially in the coming weeks with the Oscars coming up. And yes. It'll be interesting to see how people react um, if this wins,
0: I don't know, any of the 11 uh, nominations that it got. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if this is going to be a film that sweeps the awards pretty broadly or if it's going to result in a win or two. But no more beyond Can that. Can you so imagine
1: we'll – can you imagine if this wins Best Picture? Like, well, Best Picture, like, we've talked about this. Like, it's one of those things that, like, decades from now, people will go oh back God. and they will watch the Best Picture winners. And what if Joker is the winner for 2019? What in the world does that say about where we're at as humans?
0: We can't have Green Book followed by Joker uh, winning. This is, Jesus. this is
1: not good. <laughs> no. No, it's not.
0: But if they go back and watch it with the context of, okay, Joaquin Phoenix, eh, well, it's a little better.
1: Does a phenomenal performance warrant best picture?
0: I guess that's what we're going to find out. <laughs> well... It's a phenomenal performance and also some incredible cinematography and score and filmmaking. So that's the tricky part. Clearly, apparently, you can have a, a film win with a terrible story because Green Book is a great <laughs> example of this. So I don't know. All terrible bets are off. Story. You know? terrible, terrible story. Terrible story. Terrible implications. Terrible d- yes. Oh, gosh. It was awful. So you know we they- live in a world where anything is possible. <laughs> We do, and that's, that's frustrating to me. I, I don't like that. Well, it'll make the Oscar viewing experience incredibly exciting because we will be on the edge of our seat for every category, all 11 categories that this film is nominated in. It'll oh, be a fun man. one. We'll see. Yes. It
1: sure will be.
0: All right. Well, this was our review of Joker, Um, I believe it will be out in theaters as we lead up to the Oscars. Um, Whether you end up loving this film or finding it incredibly problematic, it's definitely one that warrants a viewing so that you can join in on the conversation around how this film should be rewarded or whether its problematic themes uh, create a lot of issues so we will be back next week with another episode in the meantime remember to infuse a little bit of whimsy into your life do something that you absolutely love and adore without having to think about any of the results or goals or plans for it solely just because you love it this is our little strategic whimsy experiment and we will see you guys soon